The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome back from the break. We're going to do a short meditation to kind of settle back in after the talking or the thinking or anything else that was going on. So please take a posture that is comfortable and upright, that is both alert and relaxed, and let your eyes close gently if that's comfortable for you. And first we're going to focus a bit on posture. So feel first the base that you're sitting on. So your seat against the cushion or the chair and your legs and your feet on the floor. And feel how that base feels stable in some way. It can support you. It is supporting you. Can we relax into that and just allow it to support us instead of impossibly holding ourselves up in some way? And then I would invite you to gently rock a little bit or shift in some way to really feel the place that is the most aligned. So your spine feels like its weight just supports itself naturally. Your arms and legs are in an easeful, balanced position. So there's a natural uprightness, straightness. And notice how the feeling of alignment is the one that feels the most easeful. And if you're slightly off, there's a little tension or something has to be held. But with the alignment, there's a release. And then gently turn your attention to whatever meditation object you use most frequently. So perhaps that's the frame of the body sitting and the touching of the base, sitting and touching. Perhaps it's the breath. The breath in a particular location. something that's familiar to your mind from your own practice. And feel that in relation to this alignment. How does the alignment support connection to the meditation object? And how does the touch on the meditation object support 
feeling aligned. Gently sitting with being aligned and present, however that is for you at this time. So I'd like to continue with the theme of wise livelihood or right livelihood in terms of the way our whole life is supporting our practice and supporting our ethics, the way Diana talked about it. We've looked in a little bit of detail from the breakout sessions at our paid employment or other means of gaining income or our main activities. And this is definitely one area that the Buddha meant. But as we've been exploring, there are many different layers to right livelihood or wise livelihood so that what we do and even how we do our paid work in particular is not the whole story. There's the other things that we do in our life too. So if you look at the word livelihood, what it really means is how we sustain our life. How is our life sustained? And that comes from much more than money. It includes everything that we consume and produce. So some key elements of consumption, for example, include food, water, air, our residence, our clothing, our means of keeping our body healthy. Our body's healthy. We take things in and use them. And then production, this includes, of course, our paid work, but also anything that we do as a volunteer. It includes our activities in the family and in the community. You know, what are we putting out? And so livelihood includes all of these things, and we can be moving toward ways that they're going to be in harmony. I want to talk a little bit more about that. It's not that we're going to get to the stage where everything is completely perfect and balanced and we just keep it there forever. Uh, human life is not quite that predictable. But the, the path of practice gives us the tools so that we can always be moving toward alignment, always be moving toward harmony because we have what? The right orientation. That was the view because we have an understanding of how to behave well, not cause harm, that's the ethics, and because we practice meditative development, the later steps on the path. And this path, this factor right in the middle, unifies them in a certain way. So we're developing the ability to know how to live. 
If a practice doesn't offer that, it's probably not worth its salt. So we can easily be seduced into thinking that these other considerations, like, my gosh, air, food, water, that those come after we've secured sufficient money from our job. You know, it's like, once I get the job and then I've got that, then I'll have time to go to IMC on the weekends, you know, that kind of thing. And as we practice, though, with the way we live, it will become clear that a more integrated approach is helpful. So as we apply mindfulness to our lifestyle, we actually begin to see how our lives are part of a larger picture in a good way, you know, in a helpful, supportive way. So as a small example, we can understand that our purchases have effects. So when we buy an apple, we are supporting, of course, the store that sold it to us, but also the farmer, the picker, the distributor, the other items in the chain that gets that apple to us. Do we ever think about that larger picture? If it's an organic apple, like the nice organic produce that Diana talked about, then our money goes a little bit towards supporting organic agriculture. Um, So we can think about that when we buy things. We make choices every day about how we use water, electricity, plastic, paper, oil, as well as the vital resources of our time and our attention. How would we behave if we understood how far-reaching the effects of these choices are? So livelihood can be seen as the culmination of the ethical section of the path, speech, action, and livelihood. It really encompasses the other two through the atmosphere that we create and inhabit in order to sustain our human life. Is the world that you live in toxic or healthy? Is it undermining or supportive? Is it depleting or nourishing? So as we start to work with this, I've certainly noticed that if I look only at the physical aspects of life, things become very complex. (laughs) And there's also always a lot of trade-offs involved. So for example, it's easy to get entangled in worrying about whether the plastic bag or the paper bag is better. of course, you know, actually I remember a, a cartoon, this is from a long time ago because we don't, you know, we all have our cloth bags now, but um, it was a, a, somebody gets to the check stand and the, 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 remember how the baggers used to say plastic or paper? And in this cartoon, um, the bagger said, would you like deforestating paper or landfill burdening plastic? <laughs> it's like, what a choice. <laughs> so, you know, now we all have our little cloth bags, but of course, what if that bag's made of cotton? Do you know what percentage of pesticides are used in cotton growth worldwide? It's actually a macroscopic amount just for that one crop. It's incredible. So, unless it's an organic cotton bag, of course. So, if you get entangled in this kind of thinking, (laughs) I would like to just put a warning label on that. and say that um, it's essential to also include the mental and spiritual components. Um, uh, It's almost impossible to solve the 
physical problem of just in the physical realm, right, of trying to make everything that we do perfect and non-harming. It's very difficult, and I'm not saying it's not a worthwhile endeavor. Actually, I've found wonderful aspects of practice through learning to consume less, waste less, etc. Um, but I would also add that if you're buying organic apples because somebody told you that was the best thing, it's probably the most Buddhist thing to do. Um, but you do so with this resentful mind about how highly priced they are compared to the conventional ones. I would suggest that the less expensive option might do more good in that moment. You know, are we sacrificing our calm and our tranquility to an I- ideal idea of how we should be? Or are we looking in the moment, how is my mind right now? If you purchase a hybrid car and then find that you have feelings of ecological superiority as you drive down the road, I don't know that's the most helpful. (laughs) Um, If you experience paralyzing guilt about the large carbon footprint that you have just by living in America, um, that's probably not going to lead to happiness, paralyzing guilt. So... Living as a responsible member of our culture or our society or our ecosystem includes, means including, the spiritual components like intention, appreciation, compassion, wisdom. These kinds of things are to be included along with the physical considerations, financial considerations, anything else. So how do we do this? You know, How do we not get entangled in the, is this better, is that better? Oh my gosh, am I doing the most best thing? How can I change everything? You might not be surprised to learn that the main ingredient for how we do this is mindfulness. Mindfulness. So we we notice, how is my mind as I'm behaving in this way, as I'm considering this, as I'm making a choice about what I'm going to, give up. I'm not going to go to Starbucks quite as often. How do I feel about that? Um, and, and we can begin to tune in to the underlying compassion, for example, that underlies why we want to reduce our ecological footprint or um, the feelings of love that we have for our family that is driving our choice to sit in meditation every morning before going to work. Tuning into these deeper motivations, including the spiritual components in the livelihood, lifestyle, and other life choices that we're making, can add a lot of nourishment uh, and reduce a lot of guilt and concern and hyperactive thinking about what's right, what's wrong. Just behave in a way that feels like it taps into the heart qualities and the values that you hold dear. How do we know if we're going in the right direction as we make changes? When we begin to live and work closer to what would be called wise livelihood, there is a feeling of alignment. Less struggle, less stress, less fatigue. This is a reliable gauge we can use to sense our development in this step of the path. How aligned does everything feel? It's very real, and it makes sense, actually. The sila steps, the ethical steps, speech, action, and livelihood, support the development of the next three steps, 
effort, mindfulness, and concentration that we'll get to, that Diana said are about meditation, or they're also about mental development. So as we settle into a work or a lifestyle that creates less inner conflict in us, we gain greater ability to settle the mind in meditation. Or, viewed the other way, alignment in our work is the outward expression of the alignment that's present in our mind in meditation. They go together. You'll maybe see as you step through the next three how supportive these, how mutually supportive these are. So in this broader sense of livelihood as how we support our life, right livelihood is about discovering our way of manifesting in the world that is most authentic and most aligned. Like the other steps on the path, right livelihood actually comes from within. It's not something you have to go get the right job. Right livelihood is a quality of the heart, like the others. It's relational, of course, so it's affected by the world, but it's still an inner development. It flows from our purest intentions. That's how it ties into the earlier right view and right intention part of the path. It takes great courage and great faith to live in accordance with our deepest values. And doing so is a supreme act of service to the world. So this may or may not be a grand lifestyle change, although it could be. (laughs) But actually, right livelihood also, to bring it home, it happens every moment that we're conscious of how our energy and our attention and our body are being used to support ourselves and all beings. Right now, this moment, we can choose to use these resources, physical, spiritual, etc., all these resources for peace and service and liberation. So we're going to talk about that in the next exercise. Thank you. So, uh, is this on? Can you guys hear me? Thank you for that talk. Really appreciated that. And so we're going to break up again into groups of three. And, um, you know, you can pick another group and get up and move to another part of the room <laughs> if you feel so inclined. Um, and I will um, give you the questions. So take a few minutes to get settled. So does it work out to groups of three? I think so. We have 
So there's two if you if there's two people that need a group there's Okay, great. Okay. So So I'm going to give you two questions um, and give you more time to just kind of answer one or the other, whatever resonates more with you. So the questions are, what aspects of your daily life feel most aligned with your heart's values? And how could you bring more of your activities into alignment? And I'll repeat the questions. came clearer as, as you discussed them. Um, so if anybody wants to share what went on in their group or what came up for them. And there, is there a mic out there? Or So did somebody raise their hand? Sorry. It was pretty loud. You must have some. <laughs> um, I was surprised that what kind what the core of it all um, was for me was kind of self-care, like getting to bed early enough and making nourishing food, and that those things will then, I think, impact the alignment of other things in my life. We talked about, um, we seemed to dwell on some things that weren't uh, connected well with the path, that weren't supporting our spiritual life, and some of them can't be solved either. You mean, are you talking about the conditions of the world we live in? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and also our, our smaller situations as mm. well. Can we pass the mic to your great over there? Is it on? In our group, we were talking about um, how it helps when we notice our reactions to things. So when we're upset by something, um, yeah, how it, it, it helps to... Uh, just be aware of our own reaction <laughs> instead of just being aware of what the heck is wrong with that person or that situation. And that it actually feels you know, more empowering when you notice, rather than self-blaming, like, oh, it's all me. Just like, oh, okay, well. And you kind of kind of let go of trying to change everyone else. Right, thank you, yes. <laughs> Well, I would never think of these questions to ask myself, so thank you for asking them. And I think it provides food for thought and just um, resurrect them throughout the day whenever I remember to do that and think about what I'm doing and how I relate to it. Great. Wonderful. 
So um, we're going to get ready to close, but I just want to um, share my appreciation for your uh, interest and dedication to come on a Sunday afternoon and actually participate in this. Uh, it makes me happy because it looks like most people get something very positive out of this. Uh, you may not get all the answers, which is <laughs> really healthy to, to just keep on exploring and not to expect the answers. Um, and also some con- very concrete um, things may come up, like self-care is really at the basis for a lot of this. If we don't get enough sleep, how present really can we be for any part of our life? Um, and especially these uh, types of questions which require, um, you know, <clears throat> mental presence and heart presence. So um, um, I have a lot of gratitude today for my colleagues because they uh, put together the bulk of today's teachings and pre- presented so beautifully and gives me a lot of places to actually explore uh, and continue looking as well. And... Um, one of the things that came up for me when uh, Kim was asking these questions uh, was, um, I guess, earlier in our practices, all of us realized that a lot of the things that we were that were bringing us in alignment more to our heart's values was <clears throat> um, consuming less and giving up a lot of the activities that were no longer supportive or beneficial to our practice. You know, I used to drive up to the city four times five times a week because all my friends are up there and we would party our asses off and listen to music and drink, you know, and it was just like, uh, you know, not that I have no fun anymore, <laughs> but my fun looks different. And I realized, you know, making that trip was, you know, um, I, I didn't feel good about it. You know, I just, just, it wasn't worth it anymore. So those were maybe more like uh, simple, you know, examples of things that um, help bring our activities into alignment with our our hearts and our minds. Um, so uh, I guess that's that's it. And I wanted to introduce Chris over here. A lot of you may know her, but she's going to be uh, co-teaching the next two months uh, with us. So uh, thank you for recording. And um, uh, hope you guys... Yes, the next um, group session is February 9th, and it will be on Right Effort. And there are two handouts over here that Diana photocopied with the readings and the exercises for the month. So um, thank you all again, and uh, have a wonderful day and months of practice. So thank you.